If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Wednesday, May 24th, 2023. I'm one of your host, Blessing Adelia Jr. Joining me is WWE superstar Greg Miller. Hello, Blessing. How are you? You look great today. So do you. Thank you. But you just do it every day. You know what I mean? I do one of these things where I I break it out for the special occasion these days. You're just coming in, knocking out of the park each and every day. I'll tell you, the smoke machines had me. Oh, yeah. they didn't go off in the top. I'm like, oh, God, when are they going to go? When are they going to go? When are they going to go? The gym didn't go at first. It was I, So that was what I noticed. I was like, oh, the gym's taking a, a little bit of time. I wonder if it's just going to stay there. And then Barrett was able to make it happen. I now, pressed the button and just didn't go until Don't worry about it. Later. Don't you worry about it, Barrett. You're doing great. Greg, so you, know what, you know what I did this morning? What'd you do? I woke up. <laughs> I could have guessed I, a lot of things, by the way. <laughs> I could have guessed a lot of things right there. I woke up and I played some Ring Fit Adventure. Oh, back. you're I'm, back on the horse. I'm back on the horse. And I, I did that. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to pick up Beat Saber and play oh, some I Beat really, Saber. I, I, I'm going to get a donut. <laughs> I'm going to get a donut. I'm going to get a donut. I'm going to get I did get a breakfast burrito this morning. Nice. It was really great. And then after uh, Beat Saber. Did I, you get the be- breakfast burrito from that place Kevin's been going to at the top of the hill? No. Okay. okay. No. Uh, no, I, I got it from the place. Like, it's down the street. It's the place I've been going to regularly that okay. has... Great donuts, uh, great breakfast sandwiches. Uh-huh. It's where I got a tuna sandwich for breakfast, and everybody made fun of me because I ate tuna for breakfast. Sure. Um, but they have fantastic uh, options there. Okay. And I just had their sausage burrito for the first time. Very good. Yeah, okay. Very, very good. Good, good, good. I don't know if I'm going to make it my main thing. Sure. I think I'm going to go back well, to the breakfast yeah, sandwich. You tried it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I wanna, is this the breakfast sandwich I want to try one day? You said that I should? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got to give you a breakfast sandwich. I'll just cash on me. I'll give you a cash. Awesome. I'll just split half of mine because they give you a really big breakfast okay. sandwich, and I never okay. finish it. Okay, fair, yeah. fair enough. It's a big day today, Greg. Blessing. The days in our industry don't get any bigger than today. Of course. It's Flappy Bird's 10th birthday. Remember that when he's just like, <laughs> I, this, game is bro- this game has brought me nothing but money and pain. I'm turning it off. God, <laughs> God that was awesome. God, I, th- I think I still have an Android phone that has Flappy Bird on it. Sell that on eBay right now. I mean, I, what if I wait 20 more years? Nobody will know. Make Nobody will remember. Make some cash. Uh, how are you feeling today? Excited. Hyped. Ready? You know, it's a huge day with the PlayStation Showcase bearing down on us. We can't wait here. Kind of funny. A whole bunch of different stuff going on. You know, you know it's a big day when Tim comes to your desk, our desk, and he's like, here's how it's going to go. You guys do games daily, then it's the Super Chat section. Tell the chat, don't ask Super Chats about the PlayStation Showcase, because when the Super Chat section ends, we're staying alive, and you guys are leaving to eat food, and then we're just doing a PlayStation Predictions part, where it'll be me and Andy and Nick asking questions, and then we'll come back, and then it's, it's like, all right, damn, this is the fucking day. This Wait, is E3. No, we gotta run a show. E3 is here, even though it's dead. The specter of E3 lives on today. It feels very much like the old days of coming into the IGN War Room, getting ready for PlayStation Showcase at the Shrine Auditorium. Exactly. Uh, like you said, don't write in with our YouTube Super Chats with PlayStation predictions. Write them in about anything else. Of course, we're going to talk about today's news. Uh, but I did want to start off with a couple of questions about the PlayStation Showcase. Of sure. course, you can still write in to kindoffunny.com slash KFGD, just well, like th- Maz did. Well, I think because I think what they wanted for their prediction piece after we sign off, after mm-hmm. after you and I leave the Super Chat section, which can be about anything in your Super Chat world, they want it to be like, 
do you think X or Y is going to happen? And they'll clear yeah. their minds and say X or Y, and then they'll tell you why they think it's going to so happen. Go right in, ask if Bloodborne 2 is going to happen, and then Andy will tell you that, no, it's probably not going to happen. I mentioned on stream uh, earlier, was it earlier this week? Earlier this week, yeah, it was on Sunday, that uh, if Bloodborne 2 happens, because people in my chat were talking about, oh, man, Bloodborne 2, what if it happens? Yeah. If it happens, I said that I'll quit my job on the spot. Wow. Yeah, on the spot. Wow. And so, what are you going to do? What's your next? What's your I don't next know. I'm not, okay. I've not thought about it. I've not thought that ahead. A lot, a lot yeah. is on the line right Maybe now. Maybe I'll start my own Patreon. I don't know. Get into video game documentaries, see what no clips up to. Sure, sure. Make yeah. a map, make some maps, yeah. cloth maps. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I want to bring in a question from J Mass who writes in the kindoffunny.com slash KFGD, just like you can, and says, Happy PlayStation Showcase Day. Seems like the hype around this one is ma- around this one is massive, so might as well lean into it. When it is over, do you think you're going to be left more hyped for a game already announced or something that has not yet been formally announced? Personally, unless Housemark is there showing off something new, I expect Spider-Man to, to really bring, in, bring it uh, and become even more excited for it to release. Do you think something new is going to be the one to get you excited, Greg, or do you think it's going to be something familiar? What a great question, J-Maz. I, it, clearing my mind of the mechanism, I, it, well... I think factions or whatever Last of Us multiplayer is has the most chance for me leaving going, I can't wait to play that. Because right now it's all nebulous. We think we know what it is. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's Division. Maybe it's this. If they show a lot of that and actually explain what it is and it's awesome and it's cool, that would be it. As I've said before in PS, I love you on our great predictions episode you should check out. I still think Spider-Man has a high percentage of chance of being the one that is like holy shit i can't believe what i just saw yeah. i hope that happens but i also could easily see oh it is just more spider-man all right i'm excited for more spider-man i'm not dying to play more spider-man you know what i mean and when it gets here i'll be excited for it yada 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 and then it could be factions is the winner and i would count that as a new thing you know what does remake look like if they show this metal gear solid remake awesome mm. what if it is something completely unannounced yeah i think usually the le- the less you know about something, the more easily it is to get yeah. excited about it. And I feel like Spider-Man is either painted into the corner where we know exactly what it's going to be, or it's going to come out and be like, holy shit, I had no idea that was going to be like That's my thing is I think reveals are more excited than getting more additional info on something sure. you already know about. Spider-Man 2 has the benefit of not having gameplay out there yet, and so that is the thing that they can come out and, and go, hey, here's something you've not seen before in Spider-Man 2 and wow us in that yeah. way. But it's... When you compare that to what if we see Metal Gear Solid 3 remake? What if we see wh- whatever Blue Point's working on? What yeah. if we see the next game from one of PlayStation's new Astrobot? What if we see a new Astrobot or Ghost of Tsushima 2? Like, there's yeah. so many things that we don't know about where if they showed up, automatically you're getting hyped, even if it's just a logo. Whereas for the, like, for the stuff that we know, you can have a dope new Armored Core trailer, you can have a dope new Spider Man trailer. I guess another Death Stranding trailer would be pretty dope, right? But if you already know these things are going to happen, I guess for me, I'm I'm always looking for that new stuff. And the new the stuff new is new. always the stuff. I'm looking for that new new. Yeah. And that's that's the way to get me hyped, even though I will be hyped for the Spider-Man gameplay. Hopefully of course. we get it today. I agree with that to a, a point. And I guess this is honestly probably, it's apples and oranges a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what I found myself today waking up and being unreasonably excited for is Diablo 4. Where like oh. I was in the car and I, I was like, well, I need a Diablo podcast. <laughs> I just put on oh, Spotify. Yeah. I, I just need to listen. And I know a lot about that game. There's been betas. There's been this. There's been dev streams. There's, we know everything about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm ready just to grind the Hell shit yeah. out of Diablo 4. Hell yeah. Uh, another question I want to bring in from Furry Bastard, who writes in to kindoffunny.com slash kfgd. Uh, they say, with all the rumors of a Metal Gear Solid 3 remake, if they were to show a Metal Gear Solid remake as well, what modern gaming mechanics or mechanics from previous Metal Gear oh, games okay. would you like to see added to each? Thanks. Good question. 
Um, I mean, it's an easy one because they added it in Twin Snakes, but I want to make sure they had it here. It would be aim down sights, first person, right? You, it's easy yeah. to think about Metal Gear Solid, and, and we all love that game. But remember, there was no way to go first person. Now, in Twin Snakes on GameCube, did that absolutely break uh, your battle with Gray Fox? Of course it did. <laughs> you just back yourself in a corner. There he is. There he is. There he is. There he is. And kill him, no problem, right? Make me feel it. Make me feel alive again. Um, so that I would definitely has to be in there, right? You have to toss that in. What, uh, what about you? You've had more time with this question to think and mull. I I almost don't want anything new, especially for Metal Gear Solid Three Remake that they're doing. Because I I'm well, this is about Metal Gear Solid though. This is about Metal, Metal Gear Solid, and I guess I'll lump Metal Gear Solid in there as well. When I'm thinking of other franchises, right, the other stealth franchises out there, the, the Hitman's of the world, the the arcane franchises yeah, of yeah, the yeah. world. I don't really want stuff to be taken. That from changes those the game, right? Exactly, yeah. and also I I think. Metal Gear is so, in terms of gameplay, is so ahead of its time, just from the franchise-wise, right? I think yeah. it's the whole series has things that are so unique to Metal Gear Solid that adding in inspirations from other franchises sort of changes what it is, and I don't really trust a developer that's coming in to remake it, uh, remake it, making the right decisions without Okojima at the helm. Yeah. And that is the uphill battle of what is this remake going to be? Because if they make it and it's not one-for-one one with what the game is, people are going to have things to say. People are going to be like, oh, man, this texture on this wall is not to Kojima's vision. You guys fucked it up, yeah. right? Like, that is the kind of pressure I think you have for making a remake like this. For sure. And so I, what I would want is something one for one. And I'll say the same thing for, for Metal Gear Solid as well. Like, I think the dream and the, the dream, if, the, if this project were to be put in, a, in the hands of a studio that is capable, would be make a Metal Gear Solid, I guess, original Metal Gear Solid with the mechanics of Metal Gear Solid 5. Because oh. that is the peak of Metal Gear Solid, solid gameplay, of right? Course. You can't get better than that. I think that but would the be thing the about dream, it would but be I like, don't know right, like, that. It would have to be, you're talking about like a ground up. Yeah. It would be a reimagining. Yeah, exactly, point. right? Because we'd be back to the same situation of Last of Us uh, Part 1 where we're like, oh, Joel can't go prone? Like, well, the world isn't built for that. The universe, you know, they're using the same everything. So it's not like, what's it going to go prone under? What's, it, what's yeah. happening? There aren't long, tall grasses and things like that to go for. So yeah, if you know. Fucking snakes pulling off all these goddamn awesome moves from five. You're gonna have a problem. So your expectation for Metal Gear Solid Three, if we see it today, is that it's just gonna be Metal Gear Solid Three. Yeah, textures looking looking amazing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Greg, enough about the PlayStation Showcase. Let's talk about some PlayStation news. Today's stories include a bunch of PlayStation news before the PlayStation Showcase, an update on Prince of Persia remake, and Can't wait. more. It's coming soon, right? Oh, it's, it's coming real soon uh, because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games and Twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news needs to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games you think table over break when we do that yeah i think one day okay i think we'll get there remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show head to kindoffunny.com slash kfgd to write in with your questions squad ups and more and remember patreon.com slash kind of funny will get you the show ad free plus a bevy of bonus content housekeeping for you go to amazon.com slash summer game fest all summer long to discover the top new and upcoming games and then speaking of summer game fest right after this episode of kfgd we'll be hanging out and streaming all the way up to the playstation showcase come hang out make predictions and get hyped for some new trailers 
And then only on YouTube and the live stream, there's going to be a 30-minute post show where Snowbike Mike comes in to talk to us KFGD hosts about your YouTube Super Chat questions. Stay tuned after today's handshake to hang out with us before the next Kind of Funny stream starts. And then over on Patreon, there's a new episode of Kind of Feudy, and this show uh, somehow keeps getting wackier. Let me tell you, this is a top episode of Kind of Feudy, so go, uh, go on Patreon, go check that out. And then this month's AMA is up with Tim and Barrett discussing the budget of Kind of Funny. Oh, Jesus God. Yeah, y'all you went deep. It's a very good episode. It's a very good conversation. Uh, I don't want to check like, that great, out. Not uh, conversation that we have there. We have a bunch of different uh, topics that we talk about. While Barrett is here and having his moment, Barrett, leave it in the shot and come on out here and show your outfit. Because okay. I appreciate that it's, it's PlayStation Showcase Day. Mm. everybody's dressing up everybody wants to be it's e3 we got to look good and of course that means usually the hosts right mm. kevin still looks like he rolled out of bed and swam here you know what of i mean course. but of course your pro producer here ceo junior great. boss baby he's gonna be in the room over there all day but he still is like you know what i'll step it up i'll throw on the collar shirt the sweater lose the weight too yeah, no? you look great you do look good yeah yeah dress clothes do a great job of hiding it that's why everybody dresses yeah. up to formal stuff yeah. for their wedding you know what i mean that makes a lot of sense but then you get home you take it off everybody knows Roger said I looked like I was a like a private school kid about to beat him up. You even want to know why? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I, I look like the it's the bully the uniform. Bully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love oh, it. Shit. Love it. What was that academy called? Uh, Bullworth. 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 Yeah. Yeah. What a game. Bullworth. Maybe that gets announced today. Maybe that was a tease from us. That's you. Rock, that's Rockstar's partnership that people are talking about. That that PlayStation is going to get exclusive. Thank you to our Patreon producer, Delaney Twining. Today we're brought to you by Rocket Money and RTX, but we'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is, and forever will be, the Roper Report. <laughs> it's time for some news. We have four stories today. A baker's dozen. Starting with our number one. Greg, I didn't really know how to qualify this one. because oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> well, yesterday, there was a PlayStation business report Pretty much they're them talking about their year-end's earning from this previous fiscal year and then projecting on what their next fiscal year is going to look like. And from it, like, five to six, honestly, a billion different news stories sure. have come about. I've sure. compiled it into five different news stories that I've also filed under story number one. So we're going to get Love it. five parts of story number one. <laughs> and story number one is titled, PlayStation is on top of the world, Greg. Hit the fog machines! We did it, Barrett! Is that a PlayStation? Oh, that is a PlayStation. That's a PlayStation trophy glass. That's correct. That's correct, Wes. Oh, yeah. I don't like cool. how long it took to, you to Pretty identify cool. that. I mean, I don't usually similar just don't to how stare long, at your water. Similar to how long you had to identify me on a billboard outside. <laughs> well, what distracted me was Roger, Roger and Mike camera. just standing outside of the, the, the parking lot with a camera. And I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Are we finally filming the kind of funny documentary? And then I parked my car. You're like ready for a prank. Yeah. And like yeah, Roger's yeah. like coming up to me with my car with a camera. And I'm like, all right, this is getting too much. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> and then I look up and I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I see yeah, what this yeah. is about. All right. Let's start off with story 1A. Sony expects PS5 sales to begin outpacing PS4 by the end of 2023. This is Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. Sony expects PS5 sales to begin outpacing the PS4 by the end of 2023 as it gets back on track following component shortages that plagued hardware production last year. Shared in a business presentation, Sony compared the PS5 sales with the PS4s at this stage in its life cycle and said it expects PS5 to catch up with the PS4 by August 2023 and begin to exceed it in sales by December. The PS5 outsold its predecessor in its first year on the market, but sales declined due to the component shortage that was only declared over in January 2023. Sony has since ramped up the number of PS5 consoles it's shipping considerably, more than doubling its 2022's numbers in most months this year, so far to meet what it's calling 
unprecedented demand. The presentation also revealed that the PS5 is projected to begin outpacing the PS4 and all of Sony's key metrics by February 2024. These include console user spend, full game unit sales, gameplay hours, monthly active users, and monthly active consoles. Craig, this is on track to possibly be one of the most successful PlayStation consoles of all time. Does it feel like it to you? 100%. I feel like, uh, you know, the PlayStation 5's success has only been hampered by shortages, right? Of course, uh, everything that was going on with COVID being a problem uh, led to video game sales being great, but then it was components that were hard to get, right? And we were find ourselves back in that Wii situation where in the WII, Nintendo Wii situation, mm. uh, where, you know, if you saw a PlayStation 5 on the market, in, in a Walmart, that was like striking gold, right? You were grabbing them and bringing them home and be like, somebody will need this. I, will I think we literally did that. We did that multiple times. times. Yeah, where it would be that thing where it's like, if I got the email of like, oh, we're doing a direct thing in 15 minutes and you're queue. I'm like, okay, I'd queue up and I would buy them and then inevitably immediately find homes for those PlayStation 5s because it was that hard. So it is exciting and interesting to see them on the cusp of this. To say you're about to start outpacing the PlayStation 4 is not unheard of or unexpected, but it is a great sign that we finally turned the shortage yeah. around, right? And so then it is if you want to remove oh great, great that the shortage is over and start talking about the fact that of course when you go to the wikipedia for you know the best-selling game consoles of all time playstation 4 is currently sitting in the number five slot like mm. so we're talking about you're going to start out pacing that and be on track to you know wh where do you end up with the playstation 5 like does it stick around long enough to supersede playstation 4 what about when we ine inevitably get the redesign of the playstation 5 yeah. what about inevitably when we get the playstation 5 pro how long are we going to ride out this life cycle as you are it, you know to be here three years into it, right? Give or take. Uh, you, you know, you're, finally, you're seeing people give up on, okay, we're doing a cross-gen game. Not everybody, but lots, right? What we expect today, I think, out of all these first parties is going to be, if you are doing the major AAA game, a Ghost 2, a Last of Us, well, maybe not even Last of Us, depending on how they're going to do a live service thing, but you're doing one of the big AAA single players, we're going to see it be like, this is PlayStation 5 exclusive, similar to what we saw with, Horizon Forbidden West, of course, being on both platforms. Horizon Bernie Shores only being on PlayStation 5, right? You're starting to see them drop all these things because PlayStation 5 is available. You need to go buy it. And even though there is such an install base for PlayStation 4, it's about building this future. And so to see it actually working and then be excited about it and the, the you know, complete opposite story of what Xbox's messages has been is, as always, interesting and fascinating to watch in this industry. Yeah. It's it, for me. It begins to make some things that we make fun of make a lot more sense, right? When you look at the Last of Us Part One and how we were like, we do not need a Last of Us remake. Why are you making a Last of Us remake? And you look at, oh man, this is doing this is selling way more numbers than the PS4. A lot more people are gonna have their hands on these new consoles than they had on the uh, on the previous ones. The during the pandemic, we talked about how gamers have increased in numbers, right? People came through. They people were picking up consoles because they had nothing else to do while at home. Most people aren't just gonna get into gaming and then all of a sudden go back to whatever other hobbies, right? right? Like yeah, it may not be as in... important, right? It may yeah. not be that you're locked in, but it is going to be that you fell in love with it and now you see this HBO show and you're like, you know what? Maybe I do want to go play Exactly, that. and I, the Horizon remake is another one we make fun of, right? And that's another one to, where I would even say more so than, way more so than Last of Us. Well, we don't need a, a Horizon 1 remake. When that Horizon TV show hits, yeah, there's going to be a group of people that are new to the ecosystem that want to check out that original game and if they have a bright new technically, you know, uh, 
PS5 looking game. That is going to be the way way to sell it to them. Um, so yeah, I think that make that I, I think this starts to make that stuff make sense. And also, I think this just naturally makes sense just for the fact that video games are on an upward trajectory in terms of people coming through in sure. general. I really I really realized it la- uh, uh, earlier this week in our conversation about Tekken, where I went <laughs> this goddamn Tekken. <laughs> I, I in my Tekken versus Street Fighter conversation, I went online and I was like, you know what? Let me do some research, right? And I looked up the Tekken Seven numbers and the Street Fighter numbers. Let me stop Street talking Fighter. out of my ass and do some fact. Yeah, let me do some fact checking, right? And you look at the Street Fighter Five numbers and the Tekken Eight numbers. I talked about this yesterday the fact that street fighter 5 sold 7 million by december tekken 8 had sold 10 million by by this last december i went back further and looked at street fighter 4 and tekken 6 the ps3 and xbox uh 360 games and those games sold 3 million and 3.5 million and so you're talking about double the over double the people that are that came up or uh, showed up for the ps3 versions of those games bought those games on ps4 those numbers are only going up right like and the projections for these games are only going up right street fighter is expecting more people to pick up Street Fighter 6 and, of course, cross-gen, cross-platform, a lot yeah, of reasons yeah, yeah. for that. But that applies to a lot of these games we're talking about. IPs are only selling more and more when you're putting out more and more iterations and more and more people are coming into the space to buy them. And so, yeah, like more and more people are going to get their hands on PS5s. And I think, yeah, I think you see it, uh, uh, I think you see it overtake PS4 in terms of numbers. Wow. My question is, is it is it on fire more than we, we more than we even see, right? Like, is it not just going to overtake PS4? Is it going to infiltrate that top three spot? Do you have the list still open? Yeah, I sure do. What, what is right now? PS4? So at number one, uh, this is Wikipedia, million selling game consoles, best selling game consoles. Number one is the PlayStation 2 with greater than 155 million sold. Yeah. Number two is the Nintendo DS with uh, 154.02 million sold. Number three is the Nintendo Switch. 125.62 million sold. Underneath that is, this is the fourth spot, uh, Game Boy and Game Boy Color combined at 118.69 million units sold. Then PlayStation 4 at 117.2 million sold. Where do you think you see PS5 land by the end of its life? What's always hard to say is how long is the life going to be? Mm-hmm. You know? I could see it it's such cheating with the Game Boy numbers combining Game Boy and Game Boy Color, even though it's not because we're com- combining, you know, Nintendo Switch includes Nintendo Switch, Nintendo Switch OLED. Sure. You know, I mean, blah, 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 PS4 includes PS4 Pro. Pro yeah, exactly. Oh, not. Yeah, yeah. I think it's either going to... It's going to get just below PlayStation 4 or just above PlayStation 4. I don't think it'll crack the Game Boy number of 118.69 million. But again, I'm the worst number guy in the world. You know that. But I do think that even with the shortage being over... Are in there them outpacing PlayStation Four numbers? Are they out, going to outpace them at such a place that they're going to make up for what they lost in hype during the shortage? And does that even matter? Does that mean you know what I mean? Because yeah. like, it's not like you bought an Xbox, I guess, over it necessarily. Maybe you did. That's the thing is when you look at the how uh, when you look at the graphs that they're putting out yeah. and the influx of people picking up PlayStation Fives this year. I think they are making up those numbers. I think it's it's funny looking at. Back in January, I think it might have been CES where they came out and said, "Hey, the shortage is over," and we we're all like. All right, cool. Like, is this actually going to reflect in real life? Yeah, like, yeah, let's yeah. let's see how this goes. And you look at the sales, and you look at the the availability, and people are picking these things up. Yeah, I think they are making up for those for for those numbers. And it seems like a lot more people are into are are just into video games. Period. Hundred percent. And that's I do feel like that's accurate. And I think their growth strategies are working. Right, like them talking about the the um, synergy between TV and movies. Them putting out the Last of Us TV show and the Horizon. You keep TV saying show. this. You keep circling. Just fucking say it. Today, Anthony Mackie comes out of the PlayStation Showcase Let's and introduces a new Twisted Metal to time out with a Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal show. is going to be the key to PS5 success. There it is. There it is. 
Speaking of more success with the PS5, story number 1B. Almost a third of PlayStation Plus members are paying for its more expensive tiers. This is Ryan Dinsdale at IGN. Sony's revamped PS Plus service appears to be off to a strong start as almost a third of all members are paying for the more expensive tiers. Shared in a business presentation, Sony revealed that 30% of PS Plus subscribers have opted to upgrade to a higher tier since the new service launched in June last year. 8 million users are paying for the most expensive PS Plus premium tier, while 6.1 million users are paying for PS Plus Extra, accounting for 17% and 13% of total subscriptions, respectively. The number of subscriptions for premium and extra has also been on a steady incline since launch. So there you have it. PS Plus Extra and Premium. Doing pretty good. Who would have thought? I mean... Probably everybody, right? Yeah, like, right yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Premium's now. the interesting part, right? Where I think, you know, we've talked about it. Like, extra is a great value. It does get you a lot of different games. Does it get you a lot of free games? To, you know, we're getting day one, day one stuff, right? Whereas, of course, Essential is just getting you to play online or whatever. Yeah. This one giving you a, a bevy of different games and cool things to go play and stream or whatever. That's awesome. It's the premium one where it's like, what are you doing with this? Are you going and playing these PSP games, these PS3 games? Is it anything more than... Um, a sideshow attraction of yeah. popping in to play this old thing for a little bit a night before you pop over to your next big thing. Yeah, I mean, I think the brand name of PS Plus does so much for it, where sure. if you're someone who's been a part of PS Plus and you really like PS Plus, it's way easier to go, oh man, let me subscribe to PS Plus Premium as opposed to let me go do this different service that is PS, uh, PS Now. Yeah. Right? And so I, I, I think the framing of it is a bit better. And then also, uh, yeah, to your point, I think if they start if they start treating premium a bit more better and like start actually putting bangers on that like the old like some classic bangers on PS Plus premium i think you see those numbers go up even more which is a testament to damn okay yeah like th this is actually really working out for them like this was such a, a great shift for them you figure keeping essential as it was which is your access to online gaming right and your free you, the a limited amount of free games you get like you know mm -hmm. the catalog or whatever was great and then having these different tiers out there that are just a little bit more Right, and that's the whole thing we've talked about before, where it is that idea of, like, you assume most PlayStation Plus players are happy with what they have to pay for PlayStation Plus, with the exception of every so often, oh, this month sucks for games, or yeah. maybe it's been a, a couple crappy months or whatever. Overall, I don't hear people complain loudly about having to pay for PlayStation Plus to play online, right? It's, okay, that's the cost of doing business. So when you get that, and then you look at Extra, and you're like, whoa, well, Extra gets me uh, the formerly playstation now catalog of something in other down you know that okay that's cool or whatever i like that a lot but then to see just a little bit more for premium it's like yeah who doesn't want to be premium right you're gonna put the money down but then how much are you actually using it i guess is the main question exactly story number one c psvr 2's early sales beat the original sony claims this is andy robinson at <laughs> sony, sony claims Chronicle. you sony won't get, claims. you don't buy it <laughs> sony says blessing it. doesn't buy it <laughs> no andy robinson doesn't buy it that's andy <laughs> robinson's headline uh psvr 2's early sales are ahead of what its ps4 powered predecessor managed sony has claimed since it launched on february 22 there's been much speculation around how the next gen headset has performed com commercially on Tuesday, Sony shared uh, sales figures for the first time, revealing during a business webcast that PSVR 2 sold around 600,000 units during its first six weeks of availability. Uh, according to Sony, this was ahead of what the previous PSVR managed. According to a sales graph shared during the call, PSVR 2's uh, or PSVR's predecessor sold 8% fewer units during its first six weeks. I guess that is PSVR 2's predecessor. The figures suggest that previous analyst estimates, uh, which had the new headset having sold around 270,000 units by the end of March, were somewhat behind actual figures. 
In March, Sony's executive deputy president and chief financial officer, Hiroki Totoki, said he thinks the headset has a good chance of outselling the first PSVR, which has sold 5 million units by the end of 2019. Greg, are you ready to admit that you were wrong about PSVR 2? What was I wrong about? It's a success. Everybody's buying it. 600,000 people out in the wild have PSVR 2. I'm not, I mean, like those, I mean, those numbers are better, yes. But throw it back up, Barrett, the thing you just had. Again, it's PlayStation Showcase Day. Again, they've talked about it. it's going to be PlayStation 5 and PlayStation VR 2 announcements. Look at the more to come tab there Ghostbusters Rise of the Ghost Lord, obviously the game of the year candidate. Mm -hmm. But everything else, Beat Saber already been there, Crossfire Sierra Squad, what the hell is that? Resident Evil 4, <laughs> of course, yeah, sure. Synapse, Foglands, Green Hell, Behemoth. Today, they, they got to come out. As I've said in the prediction episode, they got to come out with one or two big IP that hopefully, I, hopefully they're big. They need to come out with one or two big IP that are also look, great looking games, yeah. but I'll settle for one or two big IP announcements and yeah. then two great looking games that have nothing to do with big IP. I just stand by the fact that there is no hype right now for PlayStation VR 2. There is the dedicated, I know them well, PlayStation VR audience that I still subscribe to on the subreddit and see still go on there. Don't get me wrong. I know that they exist. They love the tech. They're all about it, right? We love the tech. I just haven't found a reason for me to turn it on since we finished up review stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel that is still the case. I feel like that is still the general sentiment around it. I doubt that if and when PlayStation VR is available in stores, not just on the PlayStation Direct website, right, mm -hmm. that they're going to be flying off the shelves based on the amount of hype you're seeing publicly for it. I just don't buy that. And then it does lead into the question here where, you know, we're talking about Totoki saying, oh, well, it's a good chance about selling PlayStation VR 1, right? Again, what are the projections for this? What were their metrics for success? Are they happy with that overall? Where does it go? I still wish VR well. I want VR to be successful. I, I will be fucking playing Ghostbusters Rise of the Ghost Lord, guaranteed, goddamn teed, right? Mm -hmm. But is that enough? What does PlayStation want out of this? What are we going to see commitment-wise from today? Today's the first test in a long time of, okay, PlayStation, how much do you believe in PlayStation VR? See, what see, is today, your vision for PlayStation VR 2? I look at today as the final exam of if you don't come out today and announce some bangers that we're looking forward to in the future, then you really just don't care about this thing long term, right? Like, yeah. And that comes back to our, the heart of where our conversations come from, where PSVR 2, fantastic piece of hardware, right? Like the, the, the fidelity of it is fantastic. The comfortability of it is great. Like it's all a step up from what PSVR 1 is. 100%. The question is, does it do enough for PlayStation in their market to justify PlayStation supporting it with everything, right? And you look at the 5 million sales for PSVR 1 at the end of 2019. Those are great sales for PSVR 1, right? Talking about this piece of, piece of technology that is in its infancy, right? VR trying to still prove itself and really make a place in the ecosystem. 5 million by the end of 2019, I think that's pretty good for that. If PSVR 2 is only barely outpacing that uh, by the end of, let's say, the next, the next four years of PSVR 2, if we're talking about... 6 million headsets being out, being out in the wild. Does PlayStation look at Insomniac and go, make a game for this, for this, for this the ba install base of 6 million versus the probably by then 70 million PS5s we have out there, right? Like yeah. that becomes a hard thing to justify. And we've seen that play, play out in history of who PlayStation is, where you look at the Vita and the Vita sales aren't up. And so it is, all right, let's maybe not put out as many first-party things for the Vita. Let's let is third this, parties handle that. Is this a pillar of PlayStation, or is PlayStation VR 2 just a peripheral? Yeah. That's what we... I, I don't know, looking at PlayStation, What I don't know what the company thinks, uh, the current company thinks of PlayStation VR 2. 
So we'll find out hopefully some information today. Yeah. Did I, man, when I was when I was playing Beat Saber this morning, I couldn't help but to but to think about the fact that I I could see Beat Saber shadow dropping today sure. for PSVR two, and I think sure. that'd be very exciting for me as someone who likes playing Beat Saber. Yeah. But I could see that being like the big headline for v, for v, the VR side of things, and maybe like an update on Foglands or something. I'm scared that we're not going to get like a cool like a God of War, Spider Man, or Shadow like something that is a big IP or a new IP. What about Marvel things. games? PlayStation VR, like what an Iron Man yeah. VR two? No, Avengers something new. VR. It's the same game. But a lot of you're still just playing it. We're it's still no shutting it down. Nothing's in VR. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just watching it in big screen mode. What what would be a a Marvel IP that you put in VR? Oh, I don't know. That would get people hyped. Oh, I don't. For me, I need like it would I, need to be something new. Daredevil could be cool. Dare, oh yeah, we talked about yeah, Daredevil. Would yeah, be yeah, yeah of course, use the echolocation kind of stuff. My thing there. is, I think we still, I think we need something bigger than Iron Man VR. Not in terms of IP name, but I guess in terms of the waves that it makes. Sure. I, I played a bit of Iron Man VR and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't enough for me to go. This is making my VR experience right here. Like this is a system seller. Like I think they need a system. They seller. do need a system seller, I, and maybe that it, could be a Daredevil game. I know it'd be weird just because you know you've got the the proper game from Insomniac, but I do, I did think of like first person Wolverine. Or you're using the controls to, you know, do the schnick schnick. Sure. Yeah. yeah. People are shouting yeah. out Ant Man. Oh. That'd be cool. That could be yeah. fun. Get big, get small. I'm all about it. Okay. Greg, you know what else I'm all about? What's that? Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Over on Patreon.com slash kind of funny games. You can go, you can get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, let Greg tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon and Summer Game Fest. We are in an absolutely stacked year of video game releases, and you can find them all on Amazon.com slash Summer Game Fest. I hope you found a, f- a, few spare, a few spare hundred hours or so to play all the amazing games that have come out this year already, from Star Wars Jedi Survivor to Resident Evil 4 to The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Gamers have been eating good this year. But this is only the beginning. We have a summer filled with video game events, sure to be filled with exciting announcements of even more exciting games that are going to be coming out all for your favorite systems, whether you enjoy Nintendo, Xbox, PlayStation, PC, or anything in between. And that's in addition to the games we already know about, like Final Fantasy 16, Armored Core 6, Diablo 4, Street Fighter 6, Mortal Kombat 1, Exo Primal, Assassin's Creed Mirage, and the list just goes on and on. Go to Amazon.com slash Summer Game Fest for all your summer stuff all summer long to discover the top new and upcoming games as soon as they go up for pre-order, or you can check it out now for all the games you might have missed on this year so far. Again, this is Amazon.com slash Summer Game Fest for all your video game needs. Shout out to RTX for sponsoring this episode. If you're looking to spend an amazing summer weekend in Austin, Texas, the RTX convention is the perfect excuse. RTX is a gaming, comedy, animation, and podcast festival that Rooster Teeth is throwing in Austin, Texas at the convention center from July 7th through 9th. And rumor has it, a couple kind of funny people whose names may or may not rhyme with Mo Trike Like and Loey Moel are planning to head down to party as well. RTX has so much to offer over the three days with activities like a free paranormal themed escape room, achievement hunter, mini golf, VTubing with Ruby characters, and over a dozen live shows with guests like Dungeons and Daddies and Therapy Gecko. There are also evening events each night from parties to a comedy showcase, an evening rave, and everything in between that can be found in Austin. Buying ultra and platinum badges will get you the highest perks, but 
There's also a solid deal right now where people that purchase weekend and daily badges get another badge for 50% off. Go to rtxaustin.com to select badges and to find additional information. Don't miss out on one of the biggest parties in Austin this summer. Shout out to Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode. We all love gobbling up content and we have an understanding of what subscriptions we use. Or do we? Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think that they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions when the actual total is closer to 200 plus. You could be wasting hundreds of dollars each and every month on subscriptions that you don't even know about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors spending and it helps you lower your bills all in one place. Rocket Money has saved some of us here at Kind of Funny a ton of money, and it can help you too. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finance in one place and automatically can help you categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time. So stop throwing your money away. You can cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash kind of funny. That's rocketmoney.com slash kind of funny. Rocketmoney.com slash kind of funny. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. And Greg, can you believe that we're still on story number one? I can't believe it. PlayStation owns the world. PlayStation owns the world. They're on top of the world. They own the world. I guess they own the world now. I guess they're an evil corporation. Story number 1D. PlayStation is using Bungie to rigorously vet its upcoming live service games. This is Andy Robinson at Video Games Chronicle. PlayStation is using Bungie to rigorously vet its in-development live service games, it's said. During a business webcast on Tuesday, Sony Interactive Entertainment reiterated that it's planning to have 12 live service titles in the market by its fiscal year ending in March 2026, up from three during its last business year ended this March. The company said that by the end of this timescale, it expects live service games to make up 60% of its annual game development budget. 
This is a notable shift. You didn't like how you said that. I could tell. I, I could read between. I could read the pronunciation there. You weren't happy. Sixty percent of the annual game development budget. Let's go for life service. It's awesome. Uh, this is a notable shift for SIE, which is best known for its single player games such as God of War and The Last of Us. And SIE says it has made Destiny Studio Bungie, which it acquired last summer for three point six billion dollars, an integral part of ensuring these titles have the best chance of success by taking learnings from the studio's wealth of experience in the genre. The timing of this disclosure is notable, considering a live service game in development at PlayStation-backed Deviation Games was recently reported to have been canceled. Goo! Uh, discussing Bungie's first 10 months at PlayStation, CEO Jim Ryan claimed the two have a mutually beneficial relationship, with Bungie benefiting from SIE's global marketing machine. Quote, we Didn't been, you see all the skins we just put out? Three skins based on PlayStation. Quote, we have been working with Bungie for almost a year, and the learnings in both directions have been very significant, he said. He continues, they surpassed my expectations, and equally, I think Bungie is extremely excited uh, by what they can take from SIE in terms of market reach, marketing, collaboration, and the, the ability to amplify their IP. End quote. 60% of his annual game development budget, Greg. Again, though. A lot of budget. But again. A lot of budget. It is. But again, though. What does live service to PlayStation mean? Mm. This is the same thing we've gone back and forth on the PS. I love you here on Kind of Funny Games Daily. I know we have a lot of new people watching. Thank you for coming to join the excitement today. Uh, I don't buy that we're making 12 live service games by 2026 means we are making 12 Destinies. Mm -hmm. I just don't buy it. I think it will be PlayStation games and IPs we already know and love with live service elements sprinkled in in the same way I always talk about in 2007, people coming back from every goddamn demo at IGN and going, oh man, it's got RPG mechanics in it. And now every game has a skill tree, you know, XP leveling up and you don't think, oh, this is an RPG. It can be whatever. It just has those mechanics. I think that's what they have to be tackling with this. Otherwise, yeah, what it, I mean, like, Think about what we're saying. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We're talking about PlayStation right now. They are on top of the world is the title of this episode, right? They're looking at the success and the numbers they have. They're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater and be like, single player AAA experiences with great narratives have gotten us this far. And now everything's a game's a service. Let's go. Let's get onto Mars and shoot it with your friends or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just going to be incorporating some of those things into their games. And there will be significant, probably, failures. And there will be successes that work from it. And there'll be things that pivot around it. But I just don't buy that all of these experiences will be hinged on a battle pass and you coming in day after day to play. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, right, I'm right there with you, right? And I think what's interesting is them talking about we're coming off of three already, um, ha having three of the live service games out this, uh, uh, this year already, or at least having revenue from, from those live services. And in them talking about that, I assume they're talking about what? Destiny maybe MLB the show, yeah. um, maybe Gran Turismo. Like, I, like, for, for right now, I think they are looking at that term broadly in terms of we're just looking at games that have a longer life cycle than something like a God of War or Horizon or things that are one and go, right? Even Horizon with DLC, that is one drop, you buy it, you pay for it, and then boom, like you're on, we're on to the next thing. Gorilla will continue to work on and, whatever the next project is. And just really quick, sorry, uh, looking at their little slideshow here, it does seem that they consider MLB the show to be a live service. Nailed it. There you go. And to drop in right there, Horizon, I think, would be a game that could, for that audience, benefit from this. Yeah. Where what if it was, I, you know, I keep using the Astrobot as an example, but throw it out of the window. And what if it was that Horizon, if Forbidden West was coming out after some of this had gone and they, more live service stuff had done, been done with it, they were doing um, 
challenges of how fast can you take down a thunder yeah. jaw uh, today's you know this week's challenge is uh take down uh, a thunder jaw but only use this kind of ammo or this kind of thing or you know like mm -hmm. and there were rooms like the proving grounds the hunting grounds to go in and do and then it was that all right cool that information is then shared to your friends list so when i turn on my playstation i see that blessing was able to take down the thunder jaw in five minutes or whatever it is i'm like oh i can do that and like that kind of thing those kind of tantalizing uh, tidbits to get you back into it. Mm -hmm. So many people enjoy these single-player games, and like you say, put them down and walk away and never come back. What if there was a thing of, man, there's this challenge, they, they had added in these challenge rooms in Last of Us Part Two, and this happened, and what you're doing is, I, I, I would go with it better, but they, maybe they would. You know, if you are the one on top of the, your friend's leaderboard, you get a f special collectible PlayStation Stars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like something there is, maybe, a, you know, maybe they go back to the old days of give you a cool PSN icon or something. You know what I mean? But like yeah. something there to make you go play. I, I mean, I think they're going even deeper than that. I, I think it I is going so to be the straight up uh, multiplayer stuff. But I, I, I think it has the same idea in mind of let's keep you in this universe for longer. In the case of Horizon, have announced that they are working on an online horizon like they've they've announced that game and we don't know much about it but in the way that you're talking about not everything is going to be a destiny i expect that horizon to be a monster hunter i think that would yeah. be such a great fit for what a horizon game can be if you're talking about multiplayer and i think that work that worked perfectly that'll keep us involved in the horizon world and then you're gonna have a horizon tv show yeah like you're keeping us in that ecosystem of that game you're making that ip more relevant throughout the year as opposed to these big drops every four years that we every four years that we come in play on a february uh, or play in a February and then a few weeks later play the other big game and then like move on and move to the on next right game. to you know double back and talk about it from a different perspective than just a destiny right like mm -hmm. again I'm talking about how hyped I am for Diablo 4 one of the reasons I'm hyped for that is the battle pass and it is the seasonal content and it is like yes you can play and you pr I probably will play Diablo with Joey and Mike and everybody else right but it is also the fact that if I wanted to I could play that all single player I could go through I could grind I could have the different characters and get all that gear and loot but I love games that do that. I love the seasons in Division because I do love a reason to come back to stuff. Whereas with, you know, most of PlayStation's library, as we've talked about here, is the big stuff, single player. And it is one and done, maybe two and done or platinum yeah. and done. But it's like, cool, I want a reason to come back like Horizons DLC, but I'd love that to be quarterly. Yeah, and it, it brings me back to a little bit of my struggle as a Fallout fan where Fallout 4 came out in 2015 and I really enjoyed that game. I had yeah. such a great time with that game. I put in... 50, 60, maybe more more hours into it. Played it, loved it, put it down, and I've not gone back to it. And Fallout 76 came out years later, and it didn't it didn't hit. Right? We, had a, tried, we had a great Saturday. We had, we had a, a, we had a pretty fun Saturday in it. But even during that Saturday, I was like, oh, man, there's some things in here that they should fix. <laughs> like, this, this game is just <laughs> kind of rough. Um, but Fallout 76 not being great is a bummer because when's the next Fallout I'm going to get? Yeah. Bethesda's next game is Starfield. Bethesda's game after that is going to be Elder Scrolls, which means am I going to wait like another decade for yeah, a Fallout game? You are possibly, probably. If Fallout seventy six was actually good and actually hit, guess what? That means that I have this ongoing Fallout game that I get to I get to return to over time and not have to miss Fallout like that. Yeah, I think Last of Factions can be that in the in the case of hopefully it being good, right? Yeah, when it yeah comes of, out. Course, of course. And Last is Part Three. We don't expect to come right away. Last is Part Three. You know, like our our thought of their next single player game for Naughty Dog is probably a new IP, possibly a new IP. There's also like maybe they go back to Uncharted. I don't think they're going back to Uncharted, but even still, if the next somebody's Last going was, back to Uncharted, somebody will. If the next Last of Us game is seven years away, yeah, Last of Us factions holding down the fort and being that multiplayer game that we come back to that keeps Last of Us alive in the video game side of things. 
I think that is the plan. I think that is what they're the they're going for, and I think that's a really smart idea. Um, I think what else is also interesting in terms of how they talk about live service and how they talk about expanding PlayStation's portfolio. One of the things, so I went through the this whole slideshow that they put up for their business presentation because uh, I love. You love this nerd shit. I love slides. I love looking at these graphics and these graphs and seeing how they talk about their own business. And one of the ones that st stuck out to me is the one where they talk about evolving the shape of their first party portfolio. Because going back, again, the way that we talk about PlayStation first party, we're talking about the God of Wars, we're talking about The Last of Us, Spider-Man, um, Ghost of Tsushima's, these big first party premium prestige action games that have these stories that we follow. And they are these games that get nines and tens. They talk about evolving the shape of their first party for portfolio here. Uh, Barrett, if you want to go to the slide, it's slide, I believe, 28 um, in their presentation, where in the PlayStation Studios, around the PlayStation Studios logo, they have different genres here. They talk about uh, sports, right, and that being something like MLB The Show. Sure. Uh, they talk about action, which is what we typically get. Typically get. Platformers, right, you can assume that's Astrobot, uh, Little Big Planet, it's Neck. Etc. Don't bring back neck. <laughs> they talk about RPG, like, you know, the horizons of the world, uh, racing, Gran Turismo, and then shooter, right? Which is something yeah. that I think they could grow more. And maybe that's them talking about Destiny and stuff. But I think they're even growing when we're talking about the li the, the live service stuff. Under that, they have bullet points: two or more major releases per year, um, which they've been on track. They've been doing for the last two years. Interestingly, they're not doing this year. Or are they, Greg? You know, do we know? That's the thing. Right now, the big first-party PlayStation release is Spider-Man 2, and we got nothing else from PlayStation first party. So. He's going to do Bernie Shores like that, huh? I guess. I mean, that's DLC. Do we count DLC? I guess we could. I guess if I'm major. Herman and I'm trying to make this slide uh, come to life, I, I guess am. that is yeah, major yeah, 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 yeah. Major, They say major releases, not like uh, new game. Not new game. You know? Give me more than that, though. I love Burning Shore, but give me more than that. Uh, but then they go on in the bullet points talking about covering every major genre um mix of single player and live services sure. balance of big franchises and new ip right and that's just them talking about evolving the portfolio so they're looking to push push things forward of course they're looking to, to to shape things in the ideal way and i think especially in the wake of them losing out on um uh, or in the wake of microsoft buying call of duty right not necessarily the playstation losing out on them but they're also losing bethesda games and other games through acquisitions it seems like they're they are doing a good job of trying to make sure they're they're stable and not only stable but thriving in terms of let's put out high quality games in these different different genres that we might be missing out on um and and again it all makes sense it comes back to the conversation i think we had either year one or two of the return of ps to love you where we had an episode about is playstation uh, playstation playing it too safe yeah and a big argument during that episode was well playstation's all um, uh, third-person action games, like narrative-heavy games, are making the same kind of game, right? And like, is that too safe? How do we do, how do we qualify that? I think PlayStation identifies that, and I think they see a money opportunity in diversifying what they put out, and they're talking about it directly here. And so, it makes me excited about what we're going to see from the future of PlayStation. It makes me excited for the PlayStation Showcase today. When you look at Shooter here, do you think they they think that's just Destiny, or do you think they are going to come out with a here is our definitive PlayStation Shooter? I think they look at, I think, if I'm PlayStation, I'm trying to make Destiny the definitive PlayStation shooter, right? Because that is one of the best shooters in the space right now. I think it wouldn't hurt to have another one. I, don't, I think it wouldn't hurt to have an exclusive one, especially, because Destiny is going to be multi-platform. Um, I think you add in one or two more in there that are PlayStation exclusive sh uh, shooters, because you're missing out on Bethesda now, right? Like, you're not going to get the next yeah. Doom or the next Wolfenstein um, <laughs> Call of Duty is, is 10 years from now. Who knows where that goes? I think as PlayStation, you establish a couple of more that you can call your own, that you have control over, and that you yeah. can call quality. Like, you need some bangers in that space.
Okay. Okay. Our final part of story number one, Greg. Story number one E. We got some PlayStation PC sales. I'm going to pull from Noble on Twitter from this one. Uh, Spider-Man Remaster sold 1.5 million copies for PC. And The Last of Us Part 1 has sold 368,000 copies for PC. So there you go. I'll, I'll, do you, I'll do you. Just keep buying them, PC players. Keep funding my PlayStation 5 games, please. I don't mind you getting these things. Sometimes they work. later. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. Yeah. Sometimes that's reflected in the sales. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enough with story number one. Story number two. We got an update on Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake. This comes directly from... Shocking they put this out, because I assume they're going to talk about it the UB forward in next month. Oh, Greg, I have bad news for you. What? This is from news.ubisoft.com. And this is a blog post written by... Um, I didn't pull the name, but somebody at Ubisoft. I believe it's Mikel at Ubisoft. Last year, Ubisoft announced that the Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake project, was moving to Ubisoft Montreal, where the studio that created the 2003 original would take over development. While the project is still heavily under wraps and won't be at Ubisoft Forward in June, it's very much alive. And Ubisoft News had a chance to speak with the producer, Jean-Francois Nod, uh, and game director, Michael McIntyre, about its status, what it means to Ubisoft Montreal, and what made the Saints of Time uh, such a unique experience. They, did, they then do a Q&A format. It's a really long read. I only sure. pulled the one question that I think really sticks out in this. Thing. Okay, okay. And so... The question that gets asked to JFN here is, at what stage is Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time remake at now? Nearly finished. They respond, in terms of the development stage, we're in conception right now. Oh, no! (laughs) Conception. Since we took over the project, we've been looking at feedback from the community and finding finding our own way of delivering the game. Now we're building up the team, defining the priorities, putting prototypes together, testing elements, and looking at how we can include community feedback in the development as well. It's still in an early stage, and players should not expect to hear more about the game this year. But rest assured that we're all putting our strength, our strengths and heart into this project. Okay. Conception. Hey, it's easy to j- poke fun at this, because mm-hmm. obviously it's been quite the fucking ride. Oh, I got more fun to poke. To poke. <laughs> okay, and I, I, and I want you to give it to you. I'm, mm. I'm glad that they started again. I know, mm-hmm. hey, guess what? We're moving this game to a different developer. Awesome. And the new developer is going to use all the old shit you hated and didn't work. Oh, 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 and then the developers are like, I, what's this code? Why are they doing it this way? Blah, blah, like, no. Like, it, this is another one of, this deserves to be done right. Yeah. I love Prince of Persia Sands of Time. So many of us love Prince of Persia Sands of Time. It's one of those games that gets talked about so much that if you're going to remake it, you gotta nail it because you assume this is, you know, the hope for Ubisoft is to reestablish Prince of Persia as a premier Ubisoft franchise, so we mm. get more Prince of Persia games. And so, if you come out and shit the bed with this, and it is garbage, and like we all saw the remake when they released screens, and everyone's like, "What the fuck? Why does it look like this?" And yeah. that, like, you gotta go through and do it. So it's like it's easy that like yet another Beyond Good and Evil two kind of situation here for Ubisoft, right? Of just this game that's gonna be gestating forever and hanging over them forever. But yeah, first off. Good on them for letting the studio just start fresh and not like, hey, do exactly what these people are doing. Good on them for talking about it now. Get the bad news out now. Let's get, you know, let's, you just yesterday or two days ago, this came up as one of my things about you before. We were like, oh, well, maybe it's going to have Prince of Persia, Sands of Time, blah, blah, blah. Let's get in front of it. Let's tell you what's not going to be there. So you, when we get there and it's not there, you weren't like, where the hell was this game? Yeah. And to your point, yeah, I think it's good that they're talking, that they are putting in the work that it deserves because there is a big Prince of Persia fan base out there. There are people that really care about this game and what they showed off originally when they revealed Prince of Persia Sands of Time Remake, people weren't that blown away by. And I go back to the news.ubisoft.com uh, post that they made uh, and I, I can read the, the it's Mikkel 
Riparez, Riparez uh, from Ubisoft that wrote this, um, he did also ask the question, why is it important to approach this as a remake rather than a remaster? To which Michael McIntyre replied, it has been 20 years since the original game was released, and not only has technology advanced, and uh, which of course you would need for a remaster, but I think we as players and game makers have evolved since that time. I do not think a remaster would take enough of those evolutions into account. I think you need to do a remake in order to truly evolve the game to meet a modern context. And that sounds like them going all right, let's not go the route that we were going, which looked very much like, hey, let's make something that's faithful, but looks marginally better. Like, yeah, doesn't yeah, look that yeah, much yeah. better, honestly, than what we had originally. Let's actually go in there and get people what they want, right? This feels like a like a bigger um, uh, a bigger push forward. Than, a bigger undertaking, wait, for sure. A bigger undertaking than what they originally had planned, but it's in response to the fans, the fans being vocal and the fans asking for actually what they want. And so... To your point, yeah, kudos for that. I think that is uh, that is great. It's tough to read that it's still in the con- conception phase. Because you remember, this got announced at UB4 2020. Yeah. 2020, and it had a date, in, and not maybe at that forward, but it had a date since then where it was going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I, my big hope is that this eventually comes out. Yeah, I get 100%. scared that it does get beyond Good and Evil 2. January 21st, 2021 was when it was supposed to come yeah, out. Yeah, and this was, I believe, only a few months after that forward. Yeah. Which is wild to me that, yeah, it can go from that to back in conception, but that speaks to the fact that they're doing something else with it. Um, but yeah, I hope it actually comes out. I hope it's not Beyond Good and Evil 2 where it appears and we don't hear hear from it in years and years and years. And we're like, where is this thing? Story number three, speaking of business reports, uh, Embracer shares have nosedived uh, after the collapse of a $2 billion deal. This is Tom <laughs> Ivan at Video Games Chronicle. And this might be the most interesting story today. Embracer Group shares plummeted by over 40% on Wednesday after the Swedish company said a major deal had fallen through unexpectedly. As part of its quarterly earnings report, the company said it had been notified on Tuesday night, last night, that a $2 billion partnership wouldn't be going ahead as planned. The company, which owns the entertainment rights for Lord of the Rings, as well as popular gaming franchises like Tomb Raider and Borderlands, said it had slashed its earnings forecast because of the deal's collapse. Here's the thing, Greg. I saw the story. was like, wow, this is wild. Added it to the doc. And then I went because I was so curious. I had to watch the, the, um, the video because there is the video of Lars Wingfors, the CEO, yeah. actually delivering the, the report. And I Ooh. saw somewhere on Twitter, somebody was like, man, they seem pretty bummed out <laughs> in this report. And I watched the video and I was like, damn, dude. It is dire over there. Like, this is well, this is absolutely wild. And so I was debating on whether or not to show the video. I started playing the beginning of the video, and you're like, wait, I actually do want to watch this live because this sounds wild. Barrett, if you're able to bring up the, the video from the time code that I sent you, we'll watch only a, a little bit of it, maybe a few minutes. It's a long video overall, but it's worth actually listening. Oh, man, the they did it on, like, the kind of funny set, too. I, yeah, thought, exactly. I, I thought this was, like, just a, 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 an audio call. I didn't realize no, they were here, they're morning, here this everyone. morning. And welcome to today's presentation. And this is Lars, the CEO. Today's a humbling morning. Oof, Lars. Starting today's presentation, we would like to describe some background and rationale for the aforementioned strategic partnership deal. Even if it serves little financial value going forward, it hopefully answers some questions about our communications and our decisions. In the second quarter, 22-23, we outlined our ambition to close a number of partnership and licensing deals that would be jointly transformative for Embracer. Transformative. We have already entered into multiple partnerships and licensing agreements with industry partners on both AAA games and movies based on some of our iconic IPs. 
except for the already announced deals that have more limited short-term financial value, we have been working on one groundbreaking strategic partnership agreement that would have set a new benchmark for the industry. And trust me, I've been spending a lot of time on this. Negotiations have been taking far longer than originally anticipated, considering we had a verbal commitment already in October 22. The specific deal included more than $2 billion in contracted development revenues over a period of six years. The deal would have enabled a catch-up payment at closing for already capitalized costs for a range of large budget games, but also notably improved medium to long-term profits and cash flow predictability for the duration of the game development projects. Yeah, it's not happy. The transaction had many of the highest rated global advisories across various segments on board with several hundred people engaged on both sides. All documentation was finalized and ready to go as of yesterday. We asked for the execution of the agreement before our Q4 announcement. However, late last night, we received a negative outcome from the counterparty. This decision Absolutely. was wow. unexpected <laughs> to the management and the board of directors of Embracer. Capitalizing on our collective value through our partnership approach remains like, a imagine key priority for you know you have a year end, like your fiscal year end report coming up tomorrow, and you're like, all right, we're good to go. We just got to finalize this deal, this $2 billion deal that we are looking at as the, the groundbreaking. This is going to set the tone for the next fiscal year, and it's going to set the tone for our next six years of having whatever, whatever studio or IP or publisher, whatever that, that was, this is what we're going to talk about tomorrow, and it's going to like set the world on fire. It's going to set the world on fire, Spike and then the prices. Yeah, and then you come through, and it falls through, and you have to give the the speech the next morning of, yeah, like forty <laughs> percent underperforming. Yeah, we're we're underperforming our next fiscal year. We're going to underperform. Oh yeah, they then go on to, the, to talk about um how they also have internal delays, and so like. And I assume they had those delays to account for the fact that they were going to have stuff to come out this year. Now they don't have stuff. It's a it's a somber video when you watch even more of it. Um, but yeah, like it's fucking wild. I'm it's I got no words for it. But yeah, like I I'm I'm curious on what this means for Embracer. I wonder sure. what this means for the future of Embracer. Well, Embracer goes somewhere. I think there's two different things to take away from it. Number one, of course, is that fucking sucks. Yeah, you you feel for them. You feel for Lars. You feel for the entire company and team. Obviously, building. Yeah, you're putting all this work into a two billion dollar deal to have it fall through at the eleventh hour. The second thing to take away is Barrett hit my music. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to your favorite reoccurring kind of funny games daily segment, Bad Financial Advice with Greg Miller. And holy shit, does it turn out it is a lot harder to manage 131 internal game development studios than Embracer Group might have thought. Embracer Group has been betting big from the start, buying up every rinky-dink IP, SpongeBob, give me this, yeah, uh, we'll get Gearbox 
involved. We'll do that. Like, wow. Oh, Squ wait, Square, you don't want Tomb Raider anymore? World second. Oh, Lord of the Rings, get in the boat. We're going. And how are they funding these games we've asked over and over again? And they're like, oh, we're going to remake. We're going to put out Kingdoms of Amalur Re-Reckoning. And it's like, well, fuck, shit, I wanted that. But is that really what it was? I've been saying for a long time, how is this happening? And so I'm not saying I was right all along. <laughs> I'm just saying 131 game development studios internally all resting on a $2 billion deal. God damn. God damn. How does this happen? You gonna put some some stocks in? You gonna buy some stocks? I do not. I I of course told everyone <laughs> earlier this week to buy Ubisoft. Uh, then they canceled Sands of Time. We'll see how that all nets out in ten years. I would not jump on the Embracer Group just yet. Just yet? Okay. Forty percent is down. I would put I the disclaimer back up, Barrett. This is not real financial. I don't. Advice I don't know anything listeners. about financial. Embracer this is not real financial stock. advice. This is just banter. This is podcast this is banter. banter. Podcast According to Yahoo, do not take this advice. Yeah, man, Embrace Group's $22 now. That's down $18. And I'm dropping the cents because I don't want to say them. Mm. You know what I mean? But that's a lot, that's a big drop. So that is good in terms of like, you know, you look back at what's been going on for them. Oh, no, actually. Oh, yeah, it's got to bounce back up at some point, you know. Embrace has to have a April good April 1st, 2021, it was 130 130 bucks. Now it's not, you say, man, could they get back to that? I doubt it, <laughs> but like again, it's hard to think. I mean, Tomb Raider. What is Embracer Group going to pull out of their hat? Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider, something Lord of the Rings, maybe Gollum hits. And what you're saying right now mm -hmm. makes so much sense when you have seven game development sure. studios to keep afloat. Sure. One hundred and thirty-one <laughs> blessing. They got all the SpongeBob games that they're putting out in the Kingdoms of Amalur and a Saints Row. And also Saints Row is getting updates. They are still working on they're Saints Row still updates. working on, on updates. Saints Row can bounce back. They also did talk about in their thing um some of their projects not painting out to where they expected and I'm sure they're talking about Saints Row there and so maybe not. But who knows? Nobody does. That is the thing. Nobody does. I wish Embracer Group well. I don't want this to make it. I'm not trying to of do a course. character where I'm like, I'm like I, I, I want to see people fail or anything. It's just been from the start a big question of like, what? How? Huh? And there was that great gamesindustry.biz article, or I guess profile on Lars they did. I highly recommend everyone go read it and look through there and stuff. But again, you just think of as of August 2022, when Pracer Group has 131 internal game development studios and is engaging more than 15,000 employees and contracted employees in more than 40 countries. What a fucking undertaking. And so, like, again, I hope and wish well and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. It's just then to sit there and have Lars come out with that attitude, which I get. You just, I mean, you yeah. just, a 40% like, stock drop, you just lost $2 billion. It's going to go down as one of the worst days in your career. But it strikes me so much career. as like when you see these documentaries or, yeah, documentaries or interviews where it is like, oh man, like this is kind of the Hail Mary thing for our company yeah. and it happens. So that's why we're able to keep going. I'm thinking a little bit of uh, Double Fine when they talk, you know, Tim will talk about how he's funded games before, obviously Xbox before um, Kickstarter is not right. What, or was it Kickstarter? Uh, for what? Uh, yeah, for, uh, uh, I think it might have been Kickstarter. Yeah, for, shit. I guess that's right. For when Kickstarter? No, no, no. Oh. For Broken Age. I oh, guess yeah, it was Kickstarter. Kickstarter, right? Yeah, yeah. Now it's all. Uh, doesn't matter. Anyways, though, that there were so many different reasons to keep how they barely kept the place going until they, you know, found mm -hmm. success. This is a scary one. 
This is a scary oh, one yeah. for as many lives are tied up in this that you get to the precipice of a $2 billion deal and then have that drop. I mean, I think what does that happen to all of the entities that are under Embracer? Because well, it's like Embracer and then like 13 entities and then under those are a bunch of different entities as well. Like it's a big umbrella that has chains and chains. I mean, I'll full screen the Wikipedia breakdown of it all, right? On their and website, it, they also have a fun breakdown. That sure, like but it's we'll Embracer get. Group, and then underneath them is Amplifier Game Invest, CDE Entertainment, Coffee Stain Holding. And for the record, ladies Coffee and gentlemen, holding. these aren't the developers. These are the parent companies. Yeah. So, like, it's like Coffee Stain Holding, which has Box Dragon, Coffee Stain Gothenburg, Coffee Stain Milano, and then go Easy Trigger, Go Ship Games, blah, 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 blah. Then there's Gearbox Entertainment. Then there's Play On. Play on? No, play it's on, play, play on. on. Play on, play on. I know. Saber Group, uh, THQ Gosh. Nordic. Then there's mobile games, DECA games, like it, entertainments and services. What's funny like, is that Crystal Dynamics and Idos Montreal are just their own thing. Like they're not under a play on or a THQ or anything. It's just, it's all these big entities and then Crystal Dynamics and Idos Montreal, which that, my, my question is, do those then, I, I would assume that all of these just get bought up. For the record, Crystal Dynamics and Idos Montreal under CDE Entertainment. EDE Entertainment, which is just okay. it's just them. So I think it's just like Chris, CD for Crystal oh, Dynamics CD and E for e, IDOS. Gotcha, yeah. And anyway, so I'm sorry. What happens to them? Well, I assume they get all these have to get bought up then, right? Well, they're already bought. Oh, you mean like what happens like with if Embracer? If Embracer goes down, like <sighs> like it's just, it turns into a buying spree. Right? We're getting ahead of ourselves and like maybe yeah. way too much canary sure. in the coal mine situation. But yeah, if Embracer went away tomorrow, mm-hmm. that's not going to happen. What if? Things get dire, right? What do you do? You start closing studios. You start selling studios, mm-hmm. right? To try to make the bottom line make sense. Because again, now if you're, I, and again, you don't have to play the song. You have to put up the not real financial advice. I, of course, don't know anything about financial stuff. But if I'm a stockholder and we get to a $2 billion deal falling through the night before and then 40% drop, and then it is this whole thing of like, is this an emperor has no clothes situation? Like, what do you have coming up that's going to make money? What is the big, you know? What I, mean? Acu- big I mean, according to the to like more of that that video, nothing <laughs> in the in the in the next fiscal year, nothing. <laughs> like they don't they moved all their game, they delayed all their games because they thought they were going to have this big financial backing um, with this acquisition that they wanted to make. My question, I have so many questions, and it's funny because it's well, I guess we do have a post show that we can talk more about this on. My question is, who the fuck dropped out? Who was the two billion dollar acquisition that? Dropped out out of nowhere. Well, was it? Did they label it as an acquisition or was it a deal? What did he, What were his exact things? That's a, uh, a good question. Challenging year. Uh, the specific deal included more than $2 billion in contracted development revenue over a period of six years. So it was probably a, a, just a deal. The deal would have enabled the catch-up payment at closing uh, for already capitalized costs for a range of large-budget games, but also uh, pro- notably improved medium- to long-term profit and cash flow predictability for the jury. But my so, question yeah. is, who's the deal? Who was the deal with? I mean, two, who's got $2 billion to throw around to make games? Microsoft. Disney. Disney. But who's going to do, who's going to like string along Embracer Group like that? Because I, I don't see PlayStation working with Embracer Group on that level, on like a $2 billion deal level. They don't really need that. Um, sure. Xbox also doesn't really need that. Maybe Nickel. I mean, they Sky do have like a lot of Nickelodeon stuff. Nickelodeon. Maybe, maybe it literally but, is Nickelodeon. It's already. A deal, though, you know, that's something that they're already in I contract guess, with, yeah. you know, unless this was like a like an updated one. Maybe. Like updated I mean, maybe one. this is like the next 10 years of Nickelodeon games. <laughs> I've been watching a by that's two, like two billion dollar I've been watching that. another documentary called uh, Succession. Uh-huh. And in there, like, there's always people trying to, you know, ruin deals and do stuff Not and fudging numbers and stuff. Maybe they do. I'm pretty sure it's a documentary. A lot of behind the scenes footage they got. I don't know how they got it at all. 
But like maybe it's one of those where some, you know, they figured out somebody was fudging numbers and that all fell yeah. through. But somebody it's the said 10 11th fucking hour. To string them along to the moment, like it's like the day you are, before your you are four report. hours away from giving this report. Like they have, to, they have to go up and give a report in front of pe- in front of the internet in the world about where you're at as a company. And that night, you learn that like, oh shit, we don't have a future. We ain't got it. We ain't, <laughs> we ain't got, got anything to talk about. So we have to put this together in four hours. I feel for you, Lars. Hundred percent. I feel for Lars. I feel for everybody uh, who's under the embracer umbrella and stuff like that. I want to make sure that it's not that we're it's. It's not that we're dancing on their grave. It's just that it has been, they have been so fucking intense. Bullish? Yeah. I don't know if bullish or bear, bull or bear is the right one, but they've been so bullish, I think is the right phrase, mm-hmm. of going and getting these pro- things and these properties and doing It's just like, wow, you guys must know something we don't. And then you get to here and it's like, oh, do you? Or are you just still you know, making these deals to make the profits do the thing? And like, where do you go from here? What does this really do? Mm-hmm. Does the stock continue to drop? Do, and like, like you're saying, there's nothing in this report that then says, hey, we're going to do awesome, though. Don't worry about yeah. it. They're clearly I mean, worried Yeah, the whole it. tone is... Yo, oh. break for impact. <laughs> this has been a humbling day. Yeah, yeah he starts off with, it's been a humbling day. Um, but yeah, wild story. Let's round out the Roper Report. With story number four, some good news. Expect Lies of P at Summer Game Fest. Uh, the Lies of P Twitter account tweeted out this morning, we're packed and on the move. I do wonder if Summer Game Fest is prepared for us, dot, 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 with a gif of the game. And they quote tweeted um, the Summer Game Fest announcement, um, hinting at the idea, probably the fact that they're going to be at Summer Game Fest. And so get hyped for that. I'm excited for Lies of P. Andy's excited. If Barrett's you're excited. Lies of P, we're all excited for Lies of P, except for maybe Greg. Are you excited me. playing as Pinocchio in a Bloodborne world? I'm excited to know more about it. The fact that you guys are hyped about it, I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm not the biggest Bloodborne Souls guy, so mm-hmm. like, and I'm not the biggest Pinocchio, Pinocchio guy. Yeah. Oh no, no. You don't like Jiminy Cricket? I like Jiminy Cricket. He's not in this. Uh, I think there's a version. There's like a Cricket guy. I don't. I think Jiminy Cricket legally is yeah Disney. It's Disney. But yeah. they have a like Jiminy Cricket. I always fucked was. with. Geppetto though gave me weird vibes. Oh well, yeah, Geppetto. Keep keep here. putting Pinocchio in short shorts. <laughs> It's like why are you why are you creating wooden children with you know noses? Yeah. Couldn't <laughs> like, have a kid. Well, maybe if you weren't always in your workshop, you could find a, a lover to make a child. You know, Greg, I'm excited about the future of Pinocchio since the IP is you can use it for whatever now. Yeah. it's um, what do they call it? Open Commons or some shit like that? Like you can anybody can can pick up Pinocchio. Public domain. Public domain. <laughs> 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 Yo, it's Pinocchio public. and Winnie the Pooh are in open, open comments. comments. Anybody, anybody can make a Pinocchio. Oh, now. Creative Commons. Creative Commons is what I was thinking of. Um, but the future of Pinocchio, the most, most wild Pinocchio creation you can think of, is so far away. If I wanted those coming out to Mom and Grab Shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform, as listed by the kind of funny Games Daily show hosts each and every weekday. Out today, we got Dark Quest 3 for PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Switch. Cruise Ship Manager for Cruising. PC. And then Gran Turismo 7 Update 1.34 is out now. That includes three new cars. Uh, those are the Alpha Romeo Giulia Sprint GT Veloce 67. That's just one of them. I appreciate them. it. I appreciate it. <laughs> I tried my best. You did? No, you crushed it. I'm not making fun of you. Uh, we got the Greening Auto Company Maverick and then the Nissan GTR Nismo R3290. Hell yeah. yeah. And then we got- <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell <laughs> yeah. That's what I like. Love me a Nissan. Love that. Uh, we got the engine swap in GT Auto and then GT Cafe <laughs> Extra Menus. Uh, new dates for you. Vodigo 1.0 launches June 8th on Steam after two years of early access. Now it's time 
for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you write in, let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong, so we can correct it for those watching later on YouTube and listening later on podcast services around the globe. Uh, Dennis J writes in and says, missed news potentially, uh, Hideo Kojima documentary will be premiering at Tribeca Film Festival. Nice. Hell yeah, I didn't know that. That's cool. There we go. This is people are talking about PSVR stuff. Uh, uh, it's more cl- it's the clarification. Editorializing. Yeah, editorializing. And then Alpha Romeo is pronounced Alpha Romeo, like mayonnaise. Okay. Thank you, New AJ. I almost went that route, but like I, there was no accent, accent ague yeah. on the E, yeah. and so I was trying to play it safe and just going Romeo. But I appreciate the, the correction. And that's it. Greg for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Tomorrow's hosts for the show are going to be me and Tim. If you're watching this live, remember we're trying something new with YouTube Super Chats. We're going to do a post show right after this episode on YouTube and the live stream. So hang out with us, write in your Super Chats, and we'll a- answer your questions. Also remember, go to Amazon.com slash Summer Game Fest all summer long to discover the top new and upcoming games. And don't forget, it's PlayStation Showcase Day. Yeah. So we're doing this Super Chat thing where we're asking you not to ask about PlayStation Showcase predictions because we're going to go to like 1130. Then it's going to be Nick and Tim, or no, Tim and Mike out here with Nick answering their PlayStation Showcase thing all the way up until 1 o'clock where we'll all come back, live react uh, to a PlayStation Showcase on Twitch and YouTube. And then, of course, once the showcase ends, our post show is PSI Love You XOXO. It will be live for everyone recorded right in front of you and then go up as a podcast. So you don't have to go anywhere if you want all the PlayStation news today. You excited for the showcase, Greg? A little bit. A little bit, also. Yeah, you know, it's not as hype as Koch Media Showcase happening. Oh my god! I mean, I can't wait for the next Embracer Showcase. Oh god, let's go! Uh, Of course, this has been kind of funny. Games Daily, each and every weekday, live right here on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. Until next time, Game Daily.